0: Amen. It's great singing. Let's turn in our Bibles now to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to read together the first eight verses. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Revelation 22. Verses 1 to 8, let's hear the word of the Lord. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits. And yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle. Neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the Holy Prophet sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the angel which showed me these things. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 8, and we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Revelation chapter 22 and the verse 3, and it reads, and there shall be no more curse. And what we want to think about tonight is this topic, no more curse. Now, this is the sixth message in a mini-series on the subject, the no mores of heaven. And here's something else that's not in the new heaven and the new earth. Not only is there no more sea and no more death and no more sorrow, no more tears and no more pain, but according to Revelation chapter 22 verse 3, we are informed and there shall be no more curse. So here's the sixth thing that's not found in heaven. No more curse. Now, that is very interesting. That is instructive. And I believe we've been given an insight into what heaven is really like. You've got to think of the things that you will see in heaven. And you've got to think of the things that you'll not see whenever you get there. And here's another of the things that's missing. There's no more curse. Now, remember, this is the sixth thing in the no mores of heaven. And six, remember, in the Bible is the number of man. We've got to think about the Antichrist, 666. And the reference to the curse takes us back to the Garden of Eden, takes us back to the fall of Adam and Eve into an estate of sin and misery. And do you know that there's 169 references in the Bible to the word Curse. And the first reference, of course, is in the book of Genesis and in Genesis chapter 3 and in the verse 14. Let me read it to you. Genesis 3 and verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, that's the first reference. God told the serpent, as a punishment for his guile and craft and subtlety and deceiving Eve, thou art cursed above all cattle. Now, I believe the serpent was a shining creature, one who stood upright. And yet that shining one was taken possession of by Satan himself. Satan used this serpent. The shining one spoke through him to beguile Eve. And the shining one became the slithering one. Because all the days of his life, he was to go upon his belly. And that is why, of course, snakes slither along the ground. There's an emblem of the curse of God. And the last reference of that 169 references to the word curse is Revelation 22 and verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. You can follow the series if you're just visiting us. It's on the church website. We've already preached in five of these. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll preach on the seventh one, and then that will finish the series. They're also on YouTube, and you can listen to them at your leisure. Think with me of three things. One, the reason for the curse is abolished forever. Whenever John was told, and there shall be no more curse, you've got to ask this question, what was the reason for the curse in the first place? And the simple answer is this. The curse came about as a result of sin. Now, I want you to think of the curse of the serpent. Genesis three fourteen, the very first reference Cursed art thou above all cattle. As I've said, the shining one became the slithering one because he was the instrument the devil used to beguile Eve and deceive her. And through her, then her husband disobeyed God's prohibition of Genesis 2 and 17. But, but if you turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, God says this to Adam and unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field there's the curse of the soil why is there thorns and thistles and weeds it's coming up to the springtime you'll see them growing in abundance in your garden your driveway and no matter how much you try and deal with them they, they, they still reemerge. why is there thorns and thistles and weeds on the earth <coughs> well here's the answer genesis 3 18 and 19 <coughs> the curse of the soil but i want you to think of something else let's think of the curse of the sinner you see, the reason for the curse The curse came about because of the fall of man Into a state of sin and misery in the Garden of Eden Our first parents, Adam and Eve You see, Adam and Eve, young people I said this this morning, I tried to emphasize it Are real historical people Genesis 1, 2 and 3 is literal It's historical it, 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 it's, it's real and, and Adam and Eve, remember Adam disobeyed God because what had God said Genesis chapter 2 and in the verse uh, 17 but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and we read in Genesis chapter 3 and in the verse 6 these words and the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Notice the words give also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the moment Adam disobeyed God Adam and Eve and all in him fell into an estate of guilt and condemnation. See, remember Adam and Eve were created perfect by God. They are made in the image of God. They walked with God in the garden. They they talked with him. They enjoyed union and communion. They they had fellowship with God. Here was a perfect environment. And don't we hear the call from social workers today? If people just had a perfect environment, then this world would be a better place, a different place. There'd be no drink and drugs and wife-beating and all the rest of it. It's wrong because Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment. They were in a state of positive holiness. They were inclined to God. They loved God. They obeyed God. They, they served God. Adam was created with a mutable will. And by the exercise of that will, he fell into the sin of disobedience. He disobeyed the law of God. Genesis 2 17. And sin, when it came in, shattered everything. The sin of disobedience brought a curse. Not only upon the devil, curse of the serpent; not only upon the ground, the curse of the soil, but also upon Adam, the curse of the sinner. God had said, "In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die." The word "surely" is an adverb; it means in dying, thou shalt die. And Adam died spiritually at the moment he sinned of disobedience; he was cut off from God, and he began to die physically. The, the seeds of decay and death began to work in his perfect body. And then he died, or is in danger of dying eternally, and being eternally separated from God. And let me make it clear, not only Adam, but all of mankind in the loins of Adam. Remember, we descended from Adam by natural generation. We sinned in him. We fell in him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. As in Adam all die. Why do all die? Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. When did we sin? We sinned in Adam. And the curse of that sin has passed to all. There's not one righteous before God. We're all spiritually dead. We're all spiritually blind. We're all spiritually deaf to the voice of God. We're we're all under that curse of sin and death and hell and everlasting punishment. But I want you to think of something else. We're under the curse of the statute. Turn over there to um, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, Galatians 3 and 10 For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things Which are written in the book of the law to do them Now I want you to understand this Here's the curse of the statute Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things Which are written in the book of the law to do them And over there in Deuteronomy chapter 27 Verse 26, we read, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. And over there in Jeremiah, and in uh, Jeremiah 11 and verse 3, we read, And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. You see, the book of the law is a synonym for the word of God the whole of the Bible. The book of the law is a reference to God's law. And God's law is holy, perfect, just, good, and true. Romans 7 verse 12. And the law of God is summarized for us in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments teach us what sin is. And it teaches what God forbids. And it teaches us what duty God requires of us. It it teaches us that we are dependable and accountable to this God. And I want you to notice that it's God who sets the standards of right and wrong. And every sinner, every human being, boy, girl, man, or woman, or young person, is brought face to face with this inflexible, perfect, holy law of God. And it's not just one or two laws that I'm thinking about. It's not even something that's just optional. Remember in the book of James, in James chapter um, 1 uh, and or james chapter 2 uh, and in the verse 10 uh, we re- read these words for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all and god's law is not man's invention the law wasn't handed down by older men or good men the law is not the product of the church the law of god is an expression of god's holy character you see, the law reflects who God is. The law reflects and expresses his holiness. You see, the law says to me, God is holy. The law says to me, God is perfect. The law says to me, God is good. God is always. God is just. It says to me, God is love. It says to me, God hates sin. And he has given us these 10 laws and the 10 commandments. And these 10 commandments shut us up to God. And shut him up to us. Ten laws. Four. The first four deal with our relationship to God. The second table of the law deal with our relationship to our fellow man. And it's not just mere outward conformity to the law that God requires. He requires heart conformity. And every one of us are measured, judged, sentenced on the basis of that statute. On the basis of this holy, perfect, inflexible standard. And God doesn't lower his holy standard. God doesn't dilute it. God doesn't accept the rejection of this holy standard. But God demands absolute perfection to his ten laws. God demands absolute sinless perfection to his ten laws. Notice in Galatians 3 and verse 10, it's it's everyone. It says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. All sinners, the educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, the high society ones, the low society, the religious ones, the reckless ones, the sick, the well. Every last one of us. And as I've emphasized, it's not just some things or one or two things, it's all things. Every precept. All that God commands and demands. Every prohibition, all that God forbids. Remember the Lord Jesus summarized them. Matthew chapter 22, 37 to 40. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, it's God who sets the standard. And today it's not a question of ignorance. Because this law, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is actually written on our hearts. And that's why we have a conscience that troubles and bothers us when we, when we transgress that law. And the standard set forth God's view and attitude to sin. You see, it's God who defines what sin is. What is sin? Sin is any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. We live in a day when men want to excuse sin. They want to enjoy sin. They want to explain sin away, but but God with his holy, perfect, inflexible law exposes sin. Uh, And he uses his holy, perfect, inflexible law to show us how sinful we are and to show us what he requires and what he forbids. You see, God says thou shalt not. You know what proud man says? I will. God says thou shalt do this. Proud man says, I will not. The psalmist said in Psalm 51 verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And here's man in his proud, stubborn attitude, with no fear nor regard for God or the things of God. And you know when God gave the law, Exodus 19 verses 12 to 16, they they set up bounds at Mount Sinai. Moses was told to sanctify the people. The people were instructed to wash their clothes. The people were told, don't go up into the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. And there was thunder and lightning and the voice of a trumpet. And the whole camp of Israel trembled. And the Lord descended in that mount as in a fire and met with Moses. There was a smoke went up as of a furnace. And Paul used this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. Our God is a consuming fire. You see, God's a God to be feared. And is there not an absence of the fear of God today in Northern Ireland, in loyalist so-called Protestant communities? Is there not an absence of the fear of God even in Roman Catholic communities? Whenever John Edwards preached that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, the people wept. The people held on to the, pillars. They feared and trembled. But you see, today there's a glibness. There's a lightness. There's a refusal to accept and acknowledge what sin is. And there's a forgetting that the serpent has been cursed. The soil has been cursed. The sinner has been cursed. And there's the curse of the statute that comes against us. Cursed is every one that continues, not in all things are written in the book of the law, to do them. And we were all born under that curse. And yet in heaven, in the world to come, the reason for the curse is abolished forever. And the reason for the curse is sin and the fall into sin and the state of misery. Very quickly, I want you to think of something else. When the Bible says in Revelation 22 and 3, and there shall be no more curse, it's not only that the reason of the curse is abolished forever, but the remedy of the curse is accepted forever. What is the remedy? John 3 and 16 comes to mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God's remedy is bound up and found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Here's the gloriousness of God's good news. God has promised a Savior, Genesis 3 and 15. God has provided a Savior. And glory to God, that Savior has come and procured all that's necessary so that we can enjoy a relationship and a fellowship again with God. I remember going to a door in Aberdeen many, many years ago when I was with the faith mission knocked on this door, and the sweet woman answered it. And I started to talk to her, and I said, because she had said to me, what did God ever do for me? And I said to her, you know, he sent the Savior who was born for you. Do you know that the Savior loves you? The Savior lived a sinless life for you. The Savior died in atoning death for you and shed his precious blood. The Savior arose from the dead for you. Do you know that the Savior's praying for you now To repent and believe the gospel And if you know him and trust him he, he, He'll come for you and take you on to himself Whether through the portal of death Or at his second advent Obviously she'd never heard that before She just went in and closed the door But you know, what? if you think of what I just said He was born for you That takes in the doctrine of the incarnation and the virgin birth He lived for you That takes in the doctrine of a sinless life He loves you. There's the doctrine of God's love and grace and mercy. Here's the doctrine of a substitutionary atonement. He died an atoning death for you and shed his precious blood. Here's the doctrine of the resurrection. He rose again for you. He intercedes for you. There's the doctrine of his intercessory ministry. He's coming for you. There's the doctrine of the second coming. You see, the heart of the remedy is bound up in Jesus Christ. We were singing in that lovely hymn, death and the curse were in our cup. O Christ was full for thee, but thou hast drained the last dark drop, tis empty. Now for me, that bitter cup, love drank it up. Now blessings dropped for me. And if you turn to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment in verse 13, it says this, Galatians 3 and 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You see, when you think of Christ, you've got to think of the tremendous cost that the Lord Jesus paid at Calvary. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. High. Look at the words, Galatians 3.13 now, being made a curse for us. You see, there's no such thing as cheap grace. There's no such thing as cheap salvation. Because when Christ died, he died as substitute. He was taking your place and mine. Whenever Christ died, he was assuredly paying the debt that we had made to the broken law. Because he kept its precepts, he was fulfilling its penalty, which was death. Christ in the tree was a sin bearer Wounded for our transgressions Bruised for our iniquities The chastisement of our peace was upon him And with his stripes we were healed The Lord Jesus on the tree was the sinless one Remember he said I delight to do thy will O my God He said I do always those things that please him He asked which of you convinced of me of sin He did no sin He knew no sin In him is no sin You see the eyes have to be in Christ The substitute, the surety, the sin bearer The, the sacrificial lamb the sinless one All to be our saviour Can you see the symbol of the curse on his head That crown of thorns C- Could you see the, the scourge of the curse on his back When they whipped him and left it running red with blood Can you see the sign of the curse in his hands and his feet When they drove those rusty spikes in And hung them up to bleed and die on Calvary's tree Oh you see the eyes should not be in the church the A's shouldn't be in religious orders. The A's are not even in creeds and councils. The A's have to be in Christ. Deuteronomy 21 and 33 says, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Christ died a substitutionary adoning death. How? By being made a curse for us in that tree. The wrath of God fell on him. And the guilt and punishment of our sin was put to his account. And his perfect righteousness was put to all who trust in him. And I can say tonight that Christ is my hope. And I asked you, is Christ your hope? And remember the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I want to emphasize this tonight. I've got a burden for Northern Ireland at this minute and its people. Many churches have lost their way. Do you know many churches tonight sadly have no message? Many churches tonight are so weak and so woke. There's no mention of sin. What is sin? They, they don't answer. There's no mention of the blood sacrifice of Christ. There's certainly no mention of heaven. Certainly no mention of hell. No mention of the bodily resurrection. Oh, they talk about God and they talk about Christ. But they use God for their own personal fulfillment. It's all a health and wealth mentality. It's really another gospel. But it's not another. In fact, it's not the gospel at all. And remember what Paul said to this church in Galatia. He said this. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, into another gospel, something different, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, So say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And if I sum up the gospel, I sum it up in one word. It's Christ. And only Christ. And Christ alone. And you see, false teachers came to Galilee and they were um, adding a bit of law and grace together. And, And they were saying to people, you have to do this and do that in order to be saved. Paul says to this church in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Who's put a spell on you? These false teachers with their false teaching. And you see, confusion abides, deception abides. What do you need for heaven and home? Only Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And if you want to know that his blood sacrifice was accepted by God, as coming up to Easter Sunday. here's the proof, the empty tomb. Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, was crucified? He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Matthew 28 and 6. And I want to tell you the... Uh, remedy of the curse Has been accepted forever And the antithems the proof That Christ is the one And only saviour One final little thought The removal of the curse Is announced forever You see Let's not think of just what is in Or, or what's not in heaven But let's think of what is in heaven And do you know one thing that is in heaven The speaking blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ speaks better things than that of evil. Hebrews chapter 12. And on the basis of the shed blood of Christ, this curse has been reversed. It's been removed because John says, and there was no more curse. The curse and its effects have been removed and abolished forever. We could say tonight in truth that it's Christ's blood that paid the ransom. Sometimes we sing it's his wounds, but I have to tell you it's not. And we should change whatever that hymn is and sing that it's not his wounds, it's his blood that paid the ransom. See, without the shedding of blood there's no remission. And the deliverance from sin's curse and its effects is bound up in the shed blood of Christ and that blood is in heaven and it's a witness that the curse has been removed. I want to ask tonight as we finish, are you in Christ? Do you know that the penalty of sin has been removed from you, which is death? Has the power of sin been broken in your life? So you're no longer under its control and dominion. Because you're in Christ. You're a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And the pleasure of sin. He's taken the love of sinning out of our hearts. And one day he'll save us from sin's presence forever. And when we get to heaven we'll discover. Oh there's no curse here. There's no more curse. Why? It's been removed. And that uh, 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 removal is, is rooted in the shed blood of Calvary's lamb. There's many tonight still without Christ I wonder Will you come to Christ tonight If Christ is the one who sets us free If the one Who sets us free Delivers us from sin's penalty and power and pleasure And one day from his presence Then why are you still out of Christ tonight Will you come in true repentance Will you come in faith What we want you to do is simply this Just recognize your sin Recognize that you're lost. Reconcile yourself to this truth. I I need to be saved. And then the second step is repent of that and be sorry enough to turn from it to Christ. And the third step is the receiving of the Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know tonight you can become an overcomer? How could you be an overcomer? You can be overcome. By the power of the blood The blood of Christ The same blood that is in heaven The same blood that testifies and witness To the fact that the curse Has been removed Isn't it wonderful to know That they overcame him By the word of their testimony And by the power Of the blood So here's the reason why the Bible says And there was no more curse The reason of the curse Sin has been abolished forever The remedy of the curse, it's been accepted by God in heaven and the removal of the curse is announced because of the witness and the presence of the precious blood. The blood of Christ, the God-man, is in heaven and the curse has been removed and reversed. You can know deliverance from this curse tonight through the blood of Christ. Come and trust him as Lord and Saviour.